you damn good beer and now we're delivering to you damn good beef hassle cattle company is the absolute best source for farm to table wagyu beef in the country hassle cattle company is a fourth generation cattle farm out of texas and they ship all over the beautiful usa and straight to your door they call their beef the blue collar wagyu why because it's the best damn wagyu that every man or woman can afford hassle cattle company offers wagyu smoked sausage new york strip beef yep. bacon, Wagyu Frank, without any fillers, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy, their hamburger, one Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam, and not I mean, only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. Yes. They take their register bowls, they breed them with Angus cows, and that gives you the very high prime product that is grown with zero antibiotics and zero hormones. So head to HassleCattleCompany.com, that's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com, and use promo code DMVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DMVR10 for 10% off any orders over $200, and you receive free shipping. Check them out, and we promise you will not be disappointed. Boom, that's a hell of a read. If you fast forward it on that, <laughs> joke's on you, you must go back and re-listen because that was an all-timer. Well done, Henry. Mm -hmm. I'm Andre, he's Jake, and we've got Justin over there as well. It's segment one. It's time to recap the news in the draft world. It got stale, and then we're recording this on a Wednesday night. The Georgia Pro Day happened. I mean, there is a that part of my brain, which is suspicious, right? That's uh, asking for a recount on some of these numbers. But that Georgia D was insane, and the athletes on it, with the exception of one that's near and dear to this podcast, all performed extraordinarily well. We maybe even have a new dark horse candidate for the Broncos at the ninth overall pick. And then the Pittsburgh Pro Day also happened, and that was also insane for its own reasons. So, biggest winner and loser of this Pro Day circuit since we last talked to our people. Jake, you go ahead. Biggest winner, I'm going to have to look a bit more on, but biggest loser easily for me is Paris Ford, a That's guy that I've talked up yeah. multiple times on this podcast throughout the 2020 season. And he, I can't even remember when exactly it was towards the end of the year that he decided he wasn't going to play for Pitt anymore and prepare for the NFL draft. And in that first showing since some just God awful, dreadful numbers from him. I mean, 4.9, 40 yard dash, uh, 110 on the broad jump, 29 on the vertical, just horrendous stuff from Paris Ford. Seemingly a Vic Fanjo guy. At 197 pounds, a four nine seven. Something's got to be up, right? Like, has to be, right? Like something has to be happening there. And here's what I'll say: we've talked before about the potential for like fast tracks. Penn State famously has a fast track. After the events that we just saw, I would guess that Georgia has a fast track as well. Right. What if Pittsburgh does not have a fast track and maybe it's it, there was some wind or something? I don't know, but I feel like something had to have been going on for him to run that slow. 
and this is more of like a broader point about all of this, just because there is so much variability in all the numbers. If I were in charge, I'm not sure I'd be reading all that much into them this year comparatively to other years. You, Justin, you've been to the, we, we were at an all time pro day tank in Preston Williams. Um, I've never seen scouts get visibly frustrated with, I mean, scouts were ready to have Preston Williams stop doing some of the drills because he was just like, it was crazy bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, like you yeah. said, I mean, when, when you can audibly hear the scouts being like, did this dude even prepare it? It was, it was crazy. And he obviously went on to have a ton of success. So sometimes you have to take some of this stuff with a Absolutely. grain of salt, but I, I'm worried about a guy who isn't prepared for a pro day in this scenario, given, you know, what else have you been doing over these last couple of months? Well, and as bad as Preston Williams was, uh, it wasn't four nine at 197 pounds bad guys. I mean, that's horrendous. That's inexplicable. So the seven, or I, I guess the seven numbers he has, five of them are in the bottom one or two percentile. That is just a- how does that happen? Something right. is up. Something is afoot. There's there's more to the story sadly though that's not a trend though you know like yeah if you're like an extraordinarily bad athlete in all categories you might be a bad athlete um yeah it's crazy and i guess not to be the negative pod but uh while we're at it i think i think of paris ford's bad day similar to richard how do I print it? LeCount? Yeah, yes, sir. Okay. Oh, right. I'm the one who does it French. I just need to do it normal. Right, 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 right. Okay. He also ran terribly, Hank, and this was one of our guys. I, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what's <laughs> happening here. Like everybody else at Georgia was great, but he decides he can't run anymore. Again, I'm just not so sure. And it's causing me to doubt all of this. Um, you know, and and if, if Paris Ford was a second round pick before because of just how skeptical I'm going to be of every number, if he's sitting there late third, early fourth, then I'm going to be really tempted depending on what the other options are. Um, and, and the same is true of LeCount, although maybe he started like a half round, a round later than Ford did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, with all these numbers, it's a go back to the film, right? Yeah. It's We got to confirm these numbers, figure out what was going on. If something doesn't match up, then you have the ability to investigate and research more and inquire with the player what what happened there um, and what have you. But in general, for a Broncos franchise that just lost a strong safety, um, it kind of feels like the strong safety class is tanking a little bit with uh, two guys like that having those days. Um, uh, other who else impressed us because uh, i mean eric stokes ran a four two five yeah it's big yeah um and even if that's a low four three which is what i'm seeing from some four three twos he also measures in over six feet kids tape is super consistent we were already seeing him you know end of the first in some some areas, and I think he's a guy who's really moved up. I mean, this corner class, while the safety class might be tanking, we've had some really nice performances in Greg Newsom, Eric Stokes consolidating things, and then Tyson Campbell, one of the more toolsy guys and with one of the better, you know, games of anyone 
um, really showed up with I've seen in the four three sevens. And uh, yeah, he's probably not a first rounder, but man, he's got about as much upside as anyone. And then we had two extraordinary days um, in Aziz Ojulari, who should probably be the lead here. Um, oh, I just had those numbers. I've got them. Um, the broad jump, 127 inches, 40 yard is four, six. Um, both of those are really good numbers for his position. And also his arms, 34 inches and three eighths, very yeah. long. And Impressive. that is what you want. Yeah. That, Cause those were the only two concerns as he measures in at six, two, um, two forty nine. So on the small side, but with those arms, which you mentioned, which are extraordinary. I mean, we've been picky about all these offensive tackles, not weighing in. He also had 26 reps, which is really, I mean, impressive power, packing a punch. Uh, the the 10-yard split's extraordinary at 1.6. So aside from the height, everything looks really good. Ultra productive to great motor. I mean, I think there will be con conversations with him, Quiddy Pay, and some of these top edge rushers, even in the top 15, maybe even in the top 10. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think just because this draft is shaking out the way it is where, you know, they're stacked at quarterback, they're stacked at receiver, and then kind of thin at a bunch of other positions, you could see some guys make some jumps this year and an edge rusher would be the position that you would always look at just because of the value. I could definitely see him being a conversation at nine. Yeah. Um, Jake, just Justin, Ojulari. Anyone else? Yeah, huge on Ojolari. Um, he's been someone that I've been impressed with just going yeah. back and watching tape on other guys. He always seems to pop to me. Real quick, though, the other two Georgia cornerbacks, Mark Webb and DJ Daniel, the senior yes. bowl guys, yep. both had some really nice numbers also. Um, put that together with the good senior bowl week, and their stock's on the rise as well. One guy I mean, I'm going to have to go back and look at is the uh, Georgia Tech wide receiver, Jalen Camp. He, he's got yeah. a great frame. Yeah. He's honestly, you know, he, he wasn't big on my radar. I went back and I pulled up some of his numbers. Did average 15 yards a catch this season, but he ran a 4.46 today, 39 and a half inch vert, and uh, he put 29 reps up on the bench. So really got that like DK Metcalf type frame going. He's a guy that I could potentially see rising late here. I mean, it's tough because we've talked about it. There's a lot of really talented wide receivers and it's kind of, you know, what do you prefer? But He's a dude that wasn't on my radar and is after pro day. Yeah. And then I don't know how to pronounce um, the Illinois wide receiver who absolutely blew up the internet. Um, but Josh, there you go. There you go. It could I mean, be right. <laughs> he was, it's more right than anything I could have ever said, Henry. But at 220 pounds, 6'2", he uh, has 24 bench reps, jumped an absurd 46-and-a-half-inch vert, which is, I mean, Zach Levine doesn't jump 46-and-a-half. Like, the very, very, very best of the NBA maybe jump 46-and-a-half. But it is otherworldly to be able to do that, especially at that size. Also runs a 4.48. So, I mean, just... Uh, you know, that's what's happened with this pro day circuit 
which I guess shouldn't surprise us is we're seeing deeper positions like corner and wide receiver feel more stacked. We're seeing some holes being kind of put through the offensive tackle group, which I guess happens, especially with those guys from top, top programs, you know, um, where things are a little easier when you're dominating like eight out of 10 Saturdays um, a year. And then, you know, uh, safety's struggling a bit here. Um, and I mean, again, of the, of the pro day circuit, I don't think anyone's a bigger winner thus far than Ojolari because it's a wide open edge class at the top. It's a position of need. And I mean, when you combine that, the quick twitchiness that he has that length, uh, the motor, I think he's still raw. I didn't always see him win in a ton of ways and I'm not seeing a three cone, which is what really matters for agility and bend for edge rushers. But um, man, uh, he's intriguing as is Quiddy pay. And I'm, I'm excited for a lot of those other guys. If you don't have any more notes, fellas on the pro days, um, I'd say let's uh, take a quick break and then jump right into this tight end class and another dark horse contender for the Broncos pick at night. All right, let's do it. Um, first of all, we want to remind everybody that they should become DMVR members. Um, it isn't just the DMVR draft podcast that that's all you listen to. There's Broncos podcasts and buffs and, and written content for all of the sports around Denver as well. You get access to that written content if you become a member at thedmvr.com. On top of being able to read all that, uh, you get access to our members-only Discord, which is a place where we all hang out and talk about a whole bunch of different things um, from sports to music to whatever. Um, also, you get access to cool things like the March Madness bracket that we have going right now. There's a bunch of prizes that you can win. Um, you get free shirt with your membership. You get uh, free... Uh, recover holistic stick from holistic wellness. Um, and that packs like 10 milligrams of CBD into like a little stick that you stir around and drink. Basically you get a whole bunch of really cool things. You get a, a massive beer. If you remember when you go to the DMVR bar instead of the normal size beer. Um, so check all that stuff out. And I, the offer right now is that you can get that uh, holistic stick, the free t-shirt and a sticker pack for or for the same price as just a normal one-year membership. So take advantage of that deal. We also got a shout-out, DraftKings Sportsbook. March's biggest tournament is finally here. We do not know who will be cutting down the nets at the end, but we do know there's going to be no shortage of madness. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. They're putting new customers in the center of the action with a killer deal. All you got to do, bet $4 on an underdog. You have a chance to win 200 and $56. It's that simple. Insane. There's a lot of upsets, guys. I mean, you think about the 12-5, there's some good 13-4 matchups. 10-7, you never know. There's just a good chance. All you got to do is hit one. You bet four. You win $256. It's sweet. If you're not into college basketball, don't worry. DraftKings Sportsbook, they've got great odds and promotions on golf, hockey, table tennis, UFC, so much more. It's safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Make sure you're listening to DNVR Bets every day with Professor Dre, getting all that knowledge. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up for your chance to turn $4 
into $256. If the uh, underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset, again, with the code DNVR, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I forgot to tell you guys this before we started, but I've hit two profit-boosted parlays today, and I am feeling pretty good. Yeah, it started when I saw that there was a 25% profit boost on Champions League games Uh or on a parlay. There were two today, and so I just picked the favorite to win in both of them. (laughs) It happened at um, plus 214 odds that were boosted to plus 267. Uh, And then after that, um, I'm a genius, and so I took the Nets and the Bucks to win with the Nuggets to win. Uh, Wow. And that got boosted. That's a 33% boost from plus 236 to plus 314. That's incredible. By the way, on DraftKings – the Sean Watson to the Broncos plus 400. Only the Panthers at plus 150 or Texans at plus 300 are ahead. Broncos tied with the Niners at plus 400. I've, this isn't the time or the place, but I've been thinking about Deshaun Watson a lot. Yeah, and yeah, there yeah. are a lot of things that I would do for Deshaun Watson to come to Denver. Yeah. Oh, indeed. man. Indeed. Yep. It all occurred to me when I was at the, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> We're all looking for ways to save money, right? Especially now. So let me ask you this. How would you like to keep an extra $961 a year in your pocket? Well, you can because that's how much Gabby customers save per year on average on car and home insurance. It's nuts how much our staff is saving on this thing. Incredible. Pretty crazy. That's a lot of money. Savings comparable to the upfront money Deshaun Watson would get from the Texans and how that all works in a trade also henry if i may there might you be may. more relevant information to give here but i think if our community could all just go on gabby insurance and check that out i think they would increase the likelihood of deshaun watson to arrive to the Broncos. wow good karma good karma. i believe Put, it listen to the man happen to good people Put yeah into the universe there's Let's some do synergy so do it for this. denver do it exactly. for dnvr that's what I'm saying. Yes, exactly. Also, do it for yourself, though, because, again, exactly. you're going to save yourself also. almost $1,000. Here's it's the insane. way Gabby works. So you go to the website, um, and when you go to the website, you are going to remember that's gabby.com slash DNVR. That way yep. we get credit for this. And uh, uh, that's gabi.com slash DNVR. But you go there, and then what happens is um, you basically just get asked a whole bunch of questions, and yep. then it will tell you, how much money you could save on your insurance. Like um, it sounds like a gimmick or something, but it really isn't. Um, they do it with auto insurance or home insurance. And again, you just put in your name, you put in your current policy. And that's important because what they're doing is they're checking how much your current policy would cost from 40 different insurance providers, um, including guys like Pro- uh, Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers. So you're not getting like bad, cheap insurance you're getting the exact same insurance, but just for less money. So make sure you check that out. Again, it's totally free to check. There's no obligation. Um, it's gabby.com slash DMVR. That's G-A-B-I.com slash DMVR. And you will not get blown up with insurance calls after checking Gabby out. Um, they don't sell your info or anything like that. It's just an awesome thing to do to make sure that you're not spending too much money. 
Gabby would never put that code DNVR or Deshaun Watson doesn't come to Denver. Mm-hmm. Gabby, okay. Gabby, Gabby, Gabby. Tight end class. It's a three-man tight end class. Give them too for, much credit. For some, it might be four. For some, it might be five. In truth, it's a one-man tight end class. <laughs> there um, you go. Because Kyle Pitts is a monster. I did see a very nice, um, very intriguing debate going on on Twitter earlier in the week about, you know, is Kyle Pitts, I guess Daniel Jeremiah started it all, with is Kyle Pitts, um, you know, the consensus kind of is, the if there was one guy to put your money on in this class to go to the Hall of Fame, Pitts would be it. Um. And then I think Andrew Mason, among others, was mentioning how that was kind of the Quint Nelson take in that draft. Um, and I think Pitts, with the position he plays, brings a lot more value. And I guess maybe this is an interesting thing, Jake, from the conference call that we didn't get into. But um, Daniel Jeremiah had an interesting take, particularly on how Pitts it maybe has a little more value on the wide receivers because, well, he's a tight end. And you're saving about $6 million on a franchise tag, for example. Exactly. Um, I was thinking about Jimmy Graham the entire time I was watching him just because, you know, the whole negotiations with New Orleans when those were coming up years and years ago were just vicious between Jimmy Graham and the Saints because the Saints just refused to flat out pay him that rate that he frankly deserved at that point. And this is going to be used very similarly. I mean, and we just had like, Travis Kelsey just came off a season um, where 16 weeks in, he was on pace to have more receiving yards than any receiver, not just tight end, any receiver or tight end in NFL history. Um, And Pitts is a better athlete, but has similar like wiggle and kind of nuance to his ability to cut and, and run routes. And I think he's still somewhat raw in that. Um, He, insane contested ball catcher the guy's just unreal and i mean he really he really can play two positions for you like he's a number one outside wide receiver that like i I mean just that face value like made in a lab i i'd take him over a deandre hopkins um in terms of a prospect for sure yeah exactly just in terms of raw prospects like, you know, just analyze it. Right. Um, and as a tight end, his potential is insane. I mean, we've got people saying, you know, Hall of Fame potential. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. So, yeah, Kyle Pitts, guys. Uh, what would you do with this? I mean, my question is still, what is he as a blocker? And I know that that is such like uh-huh. a lame question to be asking when we're talking well, about sure. Kyle Pitts, but sure. it is part of the position. And and he certainly has value just yeah. purely as a receiver. If he never, like if he was brainwashed from everything he ever knew how to block and then <laughs> never learned any of it again, he would still be just fine as a receiver. Yeah. But where the value really comes in though, for a guy like that is the ability to create mismatches and I think that there's a decent chance that he's just a mismatch even without the blocking threat. Like you don't need to try to entice the defense into playing yeah, somebody absolutely. bigger. Yeah. And so it could be just fine anyway. Again, this is why he's such a great prospect. But when push comes to shove and it's it's 
third and one in a big game and you need to run the ball and go pick up that yard. Do you trust to run behind him? Because that's kind of a question you have to ask with the tight end. I mean, it's a valid question. He's not spectacular as a blocker. He does no. fill his role at times and, you know, yeah. kind of just walls off the guy. Right. But I mean, you're not drafting him to really block, obviously. I mean, he's not <laughs> yeah. TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant even as a blocker. So yeah. I think the team drafting him is going to know what they're getting into mm-hmm. and you're just getting an extremely versatile receiver slash tight end hybrid. I mean, if you watch the sec championship game, he was playing like backside X. He wasn't playing very much like mm-hmm. even H back or inline. He was backside, you know, with yep. certain on him. Justin, what are you going to put on him on third and one is my question. Yeah. You might not run it, but I'll I just know. throw to him on third and one and pick up five. It's all yeah. good. Cause you're going to put a corner on him and then try and stop him physically, jam him at the line of scrimmage. You're going to put a linebacker on him and, and let him toast you. It's right. He's such a mismatch, but I am a little old school in that sense. I, I have a soft spot for those, you know, complete tight ends that are grinded oh, in sure. the trenches guys, Absolutely. but that's just not the way the game is trending at this point. And I, I don't think even if he's a mediocre, a competent blocker, he's absolutely fine and it's not going to diminish his value at all. Yeah. And I mean, everyone wants Gronkowski who's like an added offensive tackle when he was in his prime, you know, at his best. Um, And I mean, that is the thing about tight ends. You guys is these, these really good tight ends are also massive human beings who happen to be extremely good athletes. Um, So, you know, you, you stay in the NFL long enough by your late twenties, you might become a pretty good uh, blocking tight end. Um, But yeah, he is that mismatch guy. He is, I mean, he's really a number one wide receiver. I mean, the argument, the pro argument for like pits at nine would be, he might just be a better outside wide receiver than Cortland Sutton is straight up. And Cortland Sutton's potentials there. Yeah, Cortland Sutton's insane. Like nothing but respect. Um, that's just who Pitts is, and I don't know, guys. I don't know. And he, he Noah Fant, extremely talented. He'd be an upgrade there too. The kind of options it open up um, in two tight end sets, even three tight end sets with Albert O. <laughs> I don't that's know. Is Shermer willing to do that though? Is Shermer went like, I, and I, maybe this is unfair of me comparing it to the Philip Lindsay situation, but we, you know, you have a scenario where you have a guy who, you know, had been productive in his two seasons back to back thousand yard rusher. Yeah. They, they didn't put him in a position to succeed in my opinion. I mean, at least, you know, a lot of the, the formations and stuff he was getting thrown out there and I, Shermer just kind of seems really determined to do it his way. I'm not sure he's going to adjust. I don't know. The argument is obviously Pitts is a generational talent, you know, more so than Philip Lindsay, but it's a fair question. Mm-hmm. I think my question is so, so Pitts is definitely an upgrade over Fant and Alberto, but I do think that if you draft Pitts, you probably have to move on from one of the other two. I, I don't think that you can go into the season with those three. I think that, or a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, I you could you could find a way. Again, the Broncos would have to commit. I mean, to make that work, you would have to be keeping two of those tight ends on the field a lot of the time. 
I think the propositions essentially either Sutton or Fant, you try to move. Mm-hmm. And the question is, how much do you lose from moving on from Fant right now? You know, are you able to get like real value? Um, which what even is that? Are you getting a second round pick for back for Fant? And in that case, you're giving up number nine for Pitts. And so you're basically giving up Fant. You're giving up number nine for Pitts and a second round pick. And maybe that trade-off uh-huh. is worth it, but that really is the question here, and I'm not so yes. sure that the transaction costs are going to make this a good thing. Yeah. I think if you had to choose between the two, though, I would really think that Sutton would be the guy that would have to go just because you saw last year what the team looks like without him. It was rough, but there's young players at the position in Judy and Hamler, yeah. and you bring in Patrick back. But I think the value would be having Fant and Pitts on the field at the same time. Yeah. I think that's what you would really want. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you have Albert O there too, who also looked good. True, I, my but, thing I mean, is like Cortland Sutton is the one yeah, thing that I'm willing right. to bank on in this offense. You know, I'm not trusting Drew. I'm not trusting Melvin, uh, even Jerry, even KJ, even sure. fan. Like Cortland Sutton to me is like, you know, the, the, the one piece that you can solidify. And I think, especially right now, you're probably moving him at less than his value just because he oh, was absolutely. last year. Totally. I mean, you're biting the bullet and taking a loss, and that'd be something that makes you squeamish. Um, You'd have to think long-term, too. I mean, he was a second-round player. He doesn't get the fifth-year option, and he's a receiver. He's going to cost more than a tight end. Yeah. Yeah. cost-controlled part of this does. We'll see what happens to receiver salaries, though, because this might just be a trend that's starting now. You know, I've thought a couple of times over the last few days, like, should we be seeing receivers like we see running backs right now just because there are so many? Because there are so many more receivers yeah, coming in, I we mean, could see this continue the next couple of years, and Sutton's actually not all that expensive. If we keep on having receiver classes like this, then absolutely. Yeah. I, this is like far into the future talk, friends. It is. I, um, I really hope I that love, this is I love what the Broncos this. are thinking about. Well, I, is, I hope so, too. I'm not <laughs> so sure, you know. Football this, people are different. This popped into my head a lot, though, watching this tight end class, because I think it was more apparent watching this class than watching running back or receiver, just how much the game is changing yeah, because man. they're not, these aren't traditional wise. I mean, I'm like Justin, I love the the two way tight end that can also, you know, be a slobber knocker as a blocker, Absolutely. but can also catch the ball. Yeah. There just aren't many guys in this class like that. So it's yeah. an evolving long- game. Hunter Long's kind of your meat and potatoes tight end in this class, right? At Boston College. Beauty of him is he he has a ton of production too because he's in that super boring offense. So he was highly featured. Reliable blocker. What is he as an, as an, as an athlete? But look, to me, he's like almost worth a top 100 pick. Um, you know exactly what you're getting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, I've seen some really bad tight end classes in my day because tight ends like that. I mean, some years you just have like three draftable dudes. Like last year was just hot garbage. It's insane. The Broncos got a competent tight end in the fifth round out of that class. Um, Hunter Long to me would be a top two tight end in a lot of garbage tight end classes. Um, And, you know, Trey McKitty has some upside to be that guy, right? To be the blocker. Mm-hmm. Tight end, the Georgia um, guy. He's the opposite of Hunter Long, though. Zero production. But let's... Okay, so we've had the Cal Pitts. We got to talk about Freemuth and Brevin Jordan. I love Brevin Jordan. 
Henry, I don't think you even know, but the first college football game we watched together as we started our co-host relationship of this pod, Revan Jordan went off as a sophomore on the week zero game. Um, But I don't want to talk about that sentimental moment. I want to talk about your takes on Pat Freemuth, who you apparently hate. So I don't hate him, (laughs) although I do understand why the things I said would make you think I hate him because, you know, I talked about him being slow and the fact that Penn State has a fast track and he's going to run a lot faster than he actually is. And I think there's a real chance that he's going to get bumped up in the draft because of it and he might not deserve it. What I will say is that he is a little bit more of the meat and potatoes. Um, He he is like the really big dude. He can play in line. My question though is, I don't know. So yeah, how last time I went to get a haircut, um, there was a UFC fighter in there and we had a great conversation. And one of the things that we talked a lot about was how UFC fighters don't really get good until their thirties. And the reason why he said is just because of grown man strength. Like you just get to that point where you're like 28 yeah. and the muscle or whatever just starts going on. And, and it seems like that happens with tight ends too, where some of these guys, like it just takes a while. And is Pat Firemuth actually like a, a good, like blocker at this point, or is it just compared to the other guys? And he still does need to like put on some real muscle to be able to compete with Bobby Wagner, or whoever he's going to be trying to block. Never doubt grown man strength. Every yeah. like drunk, 19 20 something year old that like mouthed off to their uncle at a barbecue and challenged him to arm wrestling has been humbled in that scenario for generation after generation grown man strength is a real thing i'm glad you brought that up um i'm not big on firemouth either to be honest i thought i mean you like a little you like what you see as a pass catcher competent as a run blocker he's fine you know he's fine he just there's not there's nothing there that excites me I don't know. I, I felt like he was a little bit soft at times. I think he's a little bit easier to jam than, you know, some of these other top tight end prospects. But again, it's just not that deep and he's probably going to be the second guy that goes. My question was like, is he just like so well-rounded, but doesn't really have a strength. And and to me, like either that's going to work for him in the mm. NFL and he's just going to be a good, well-rounded tight end. Um, Back of all he, trades, master of none. Exactly. Or he could just not really have enough juice in any of the ways to actually get on the field and do something productive for an NFL team. But I, I, I'm just having a tough time telling from the tape. Where do you fall on him, Jake? I'm more or less the same. I mean, I you get guys. it with a little bit. I mean, with the size and the receiving yeah, ability. The kind size of like, is fun. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But, you know, as Henry said, just as a blocker and the physical side of the game, you know, just uh, oh. separating downfield, using his body, I wasn't a big fan of. Um, he is a bit older, too, than Pitts and Jordan. Brevin Jordan and Kyle Pitts are both 20 years old entering this draft. Pratt Firemuth is 22, so – I mean, you would hope to see a bit more of strength and just ability as a blocker at that point, and it just wasn't really there. I mean, yeah. I give him a second-round grade. It's not a bad grade. It's not someone that I necessarily hate, but I'm not going to you know, go out of my way or trade up for the guy in any means. Yeah, fair enough. Then I see it'll be interesting to see how the NFL values him. Be really interesting. Um I guess I kind of see it the same way. 2019 to me, he showed like he was a dog, man. 
Yeah. He he put up some real real tape. I I you know, I love a prototypical tight end that can put up, you know, some yak cuz he's just running angry. Um but yeah, I mean, they're fair concerns in the NFL. How's he going to handle it? Though the game's changing, like those secondaries are getting lighter. So maybe you contrast that by going with guys like Friar Muth can, who can beat up on those dudes a little bit. Um, Brevin Jordan, on the other hand, uh, a guy who's always flashed, just watching other prospects since we've started doing these, um, um, you know, profiles on the, or, you know, position previews on the pod. Uh, he's a guy who just watching other dudes against Miami just constantly jumps off the tape. A prototypical size, insane athlete, real factor, uh, yak wise, like an intriguing movement tight end who I think has some sneaky, like competitiveness in the blocking game, though he's far from perfect. Um, and I don't know. I'd approve of a, of a late first on Brevin Jordan. I, I think he could really turn out to be his ceilings uh, got to be as high, you know, other than pits. I think his ceilings probably the highest. I don't know if his floor is that of, you know, I'd like, I think, right. you know, Friar yep. or uh, even the Boston college kid Hunter long are probably safer picks in terms yeah. of just these guys, you could plug them in. They're going to be able to block, you know, I, I think long better than fire you know, that you'll be able to trust them on, on short yardage situations, reliable hands. Brevin Jordan's just got that. There's something about him, man. I yeah. never really had a great quarterback to get him the ball consistently. I, I don't love the way that they targeted him this past, you know, really year or two. Yeah. I liked it better, you know, like 2019 earlier in his career, but I don't know. He, he has the potential to just be a red zone nightmare for defenses. Yeah. And if he improves as a route runner, watch out. He's got that bend though. He can, more so than Fryermuth, at least not necessarily Kyle Pitts, but he can he can move when he's downfield running routes. I feel like he gets going quickly too. Like like his first couple steps, there's there's more burst there than it, there is with a lot of the other guys. Also, they move him around the formation a little bit, which yeah. is good to see. You know, somebody who can line up in the backfield, can line up in the slot, can line up wherever. That I feel like is just the tight end's role at this point is to fill all those jobs and and he's done that before. And I think that that adds some value. The NFL is all about mismatches. Um, you know, at the draft coaches get involved and coaches rightfully before even going into a week, preparing on that game plan. You like to have those mismatches on your side that, you know, are going to force the other side's hand. And while this is a really crappy tight end class, Brevin and especially Kyle Pitts, or I mean, top like 10 mismatches in this entire draft, certainly top 15. And I think that's going to be a, a big difference. And then you have some solid pros along the nine um, in Firemuth, Long, McKitty. You know, I see um, the Notre Dame kid ranked pretty high, mm -hmm. Tommy Tremble. I almost like him more as a like super athletic fullback he was used more as an H back at Notre Dame. Like I think like, I don't know, have the LA Rams draft him in the third and use him as Kyle use check their version of use check. He might be really good. Now he's a bit raw and I think other um, people see him as more of a movement tight end or what have you, but he's an intriguing guy as well. I do like him. I Me think, 
especially after watching Chase Claypool, and this probably shouldn't factor in at all, but just the way that he transitioned from Notre Dame into the NFL, kind of not the same body type, but similar in some ways, just, just being kind of oversized. I think that Trey McKitty, I don't know, or, or sorry, not Trey McKitty. I have him pulled up on my screen. Uh, the Tremble. Tremble. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I would be tempted just because I like the athleticism there, and I think that that could, I don't know, it could play up in the NFL. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how he tests. And I thought yeah. he was the guy that played with the most uh, passion and nastiness as a blocker that I watched. And it was interesting to see Notre Dame put him in the eye as the fullback on goal line. Yeah. So he's got that kind of utility role. Raw in multiple areas, though. I mean, as a pass catcher, I wasn't too thrilled about how he was playing some drops. Um, but, you know, a guy that can really improve his stock with a nice showing at a pro day here coming up. Yeah, he's essentially a gamble through and through, right? You're he's a raw piece of clay that you could turn into something really nice. Kind of reminds me of the Virginia Tech uh, Colorado kid from last year. Go ahead, Justin. Jake, where are you at with uh, Nick Eubanks, the the Michigan kid who I was kind of high on coming into the season, but you know, kind of fell off the radar. Didn't have a great 2020 season, but seems like a dude with with decent athleticism that can kind of develop into that tight end two type role and, and you can maybe you know get him you know in the fifth round if we're talking about if you don't take one early somebody that you could potentially see you know as like a a fringe guy fifth round sixth round where are you at with Eubanks yeah I mean tough year for him because he was behind um, McCune and uh, Gentry for a lot of his career at Michigan so you were hoping that you'd kind of get a chance to shine this year but I mean whole team at Michigan just Jesus man um, but yeah, I, I definitely see that with him. He's someone that, you know, he's going to be probably day three. Someone's just going to take a shot. But he's a lottery ticket that I wouldn't mind having just because of what you said. I think, you know, if you set the expectation as like tight end two, there, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to meet that at the very least. I liked him a lot better than most of the other guys, you know, outside of the top five that we talked about. It's just, I mean, we, we hinted at it earlier, the, the 2022 class is a lot more intriguing. Most of the guys that we were really excited about decided to come back. It is a weird situation, but yeah. you know, maybe, maybe a value pick, maybe a Albert O type situation. If you go, you know, late, late round hunting. Yeah. And I mean, you still got Kenny Boa from Ole Miss. Who's intriguing from that offense. Um, any thoughts on the Boise or Alabama guys, Justin, no, not really. I mean, the the Boise kid Bates, or I think his name yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, Bates. Um, he's got a decent frame. You know, he's like six six, two sixty or something yeah, like that. Boy. They didn't, you know, feature him a whole lot. Boise really liked to spread it out and kind of target those wide receivers down the field. You know, another guy that could be a sleeper just based on his frame alone. I I, I didn't see a ton out of him. And same thing with Alabama. I mean, for for. All Dude, the talent no. that they're able to bring in at, at running back and wide receiver, they, they really struggle to add talent at that position. Um, I, I can't even remember the last breakout Alabama tight end oh, who I was okay. Howard, I guess. But yeah. even, I mean, you know, his NFL career hasn't exactly panned out like we were hoping or like I was hoping. I am seeing the SEC recruiting a lot more like five-star tight ends, like making this a priority, like, 
There's a fre- I think there are freshmen at both Georgia and LSU that I saw this year that I was like, that's an 18 year old. Like, <laughs> oh my, yeah, <laughs> like, yikes. Uh, and the game's changing. We're seeing more and more of the like. 20 years ago, Cal Pitts might just be an edge rusher or an offensive tackle. Yeah. Game's changing. We want to get the ball in those guys' hands, and that's a, that's a true blessing. Um, I got to imagine uh, Nick Saban was, you know, on the sideline during those Alabama-Florida matchups just being like, where, where's, our, where's our one of him, you know? Like, we've got everything else, but where's our Kyle Pitts? Oh man, you think that's one of the rants he goes on when he's losing it on the headset? They're up by like 14 and he's just, you know, (laughs) furious that he's catching, you know, 10 yards. Unacceptable. Well, that last touch on the SEC championship game where he like posterized two guys in the corner of the end zone. I mean, Saban was probably seething at that. I'd give anything for a Saban cam just throughout the entire game (laughs) mic'd up. And like with Tooney, I come back to that Saban quote at the end of that game where he was like, yeah, we just couldn't couldn't guard. We couldn't cover those two guys outside. And you know they were scheming for him because that was their entire offense. That's, that could – and that's arguably coming from maybe as far as in the football in the secondary, maybe the coach in the world that has that most figured out. Um, yeah. So coming from him, yeah. that – that that means a lot um okay guys final break we've got a quick mock for you and then we're gonna answer a quick question as well it's been a while since we've done this so i'm pretty excited but first henry one of your uh world-renowned famous shout outs world-renowned oh this is perfect because today is actually St. Patrick's Day. Let's um, go. St. Patty's Day is for pubs, yeah. not yep. pubes. Manscaped oh, is the whoa. global leader for below-the-waist grooming, and they sponsored this show to ensure that you have the best tools for your ball-trimming experience. If you plan on getting lucky this St. Patty's, well, none of us do because we are all right here at 10 o'clock on St. Patrick's Day, uh, then you might as well use the code <laughs> DMVR at manscaped.com for 20% off and free international shipping. Um, so many awesome products, well including the, uh, Oh, actually there's a new package. It's the weed whacker. This is the, the ear I and have nose it. hair trimmer. Oh, you have, yeah, it? I have it. I have is it true? Is it really 9,000 RPM? It's outstanding. It's wow. like having a, a lightsaber that trims your nose hairs. And that sounds it terrifying. Makes- it makes Guys, I need one of these. This is an old man thing of me, but I noticed that uh, oh, yeah. I have a couple of nostril hairs that are kind of sticking out. I was like, oh, God, is this what oh, I'm yeah. coming to? I'm that yeah. guy now. The yeah. weed whacker. I'm already adding it to the cart. Newsflash. Great idea. You're all coming to it. It happens to us all. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like magic. You just put it in. It takes your nose hairs out. I'm not even quite sure how it works. And um, it makes a noise like your vacuuming cat litter which kate appreciates so wow uh, yeah you yeah it's got a little like the cat litter. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's nice <laughs> great it's um, great would you say that uh your your partner kate would uh say that long nose hair is a major turnoff major turnoff yep that yeah. means that she is like 79 percent of partners oh, wow. that's what they say they really don't like your nose hair so don't let them see it 
Um, there's time. awesome other products like the uh, Lawnmower 3.0. We talk about that a lot. Um, we are all huge fans of the Crop Preserver. That is their ball deodorant. And they also have a ball toner. They call it the Crop Reviver. And that will maximize your ball hygiene routine. What more has any man ever asked for? Um, also, every purchase at manscaped.com goes toward contributions made to the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. So you're also potentially saving lives by getting yourself these nose hair trimmers. Um, so do that. Um, get 20% off and free shipping with the code DMVR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code DNVR. There's gold at the end of the rainbow with Manscaped. Do you almost say there's girls at the end of the rainbow? <laughs> no, but I don't understand there's gold at the end of the rainbow. What is the, uh, is, what's the metaphor? It's, the same, it's a metaphor. It's whatever you want it to be. It's the St. Patty's read, right? Oh, yeah. yes, because it's St. Patrick's Day. You yeah, should, that's St. Like, Patty's yeah. related. Okay. Right. You I were expecting a dirty sexual innuendo. It's merely a St. Patty's Day thing. Not gonna um, lie, just a tiny is bit that disappointed. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right, you guys, let's get into a mock draft. And it all starts with the New York Jets at the second pick. Sure does. Yeah, so Trevor Lawrence with the Jaguars at two. I'm hearing a little Zach Wilson. You know, we're we're in that point in the process where it's time to nitpick him. Uh my money would still be on him to be the second overall pick, though. Any thoughts to the contrary, my friends? It's just so. been so long since we've done this. Like, like yeah. I, I legitimately are <laughs> like sitting here thinking through the Jets scenario for the minute. first time in a couple of weeks, probably. Um, what I'm coming to, though, is that, yeah, it's probably time to start fresh and send Sam Darnold somewhere else. Yeah, just from their actions in free agency, I mean, they haven't gone out and got another quarterback, obviously, and there have been some kind of murmurs of Sam Darnold being dealt. So it seems like that's the direction the Jets are going to go in and, you know, get that fresh new rookie quarterback on the on the books. Always bring in someone like Foles or Minshew to be the mentor to, you know, help them with their process. Yeah, it's Zach Wilson. I mean, I I think that one's pretty easy. Let's move on to to three, unless you know we want to nitpick his game or anything like that. No, um, no, there'll be time to do that. I don't think now is that time. The three we have the Miami Dolphins. It's where it gets weird. Yeah. This is where it gets weird. I'm not sure that free agency has told me too much on where the Dolphins will go. I mean, Um, they haven't gotten a receiver, which is noteworthy. Yeah, and we we haven't noted that they also made that trade for Isaiah Wilson from the Titans. Yeah. Um, You know, you can argue about whether he's actually even going to play or not, but – they did not let him go to waivers. They actually traded for him on the rookie contract, which is significantly more than what they would have been able to get him for. Mm-hmm. That's starter money. So I'm guessing they're banking on him playing right tackle. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that the that's a, a 52nd man type of thing, and they really aren't planning on getting anything from him. And if they do, it's a bonus. At least that's how I would appro- approach it. 
Only spent the seventh rounder, so yeah, very well could be. Pretty yeah. much playing with house money other than the cap hit. I will say, though, I think I'm still leaning more wide receiver than I am offensive tackle. I think that that would be the wrong decision, but I think that I agree with you. So who are they taking, Hank? Dre went first last time. Oh, God. It's either Chase. Oh, I guess Waddle's probably in there, too. I, I think on. it's... I'm going to go Chase. I'm going to go Chase. I think I think they're going to go with just like the nice big prototype receiver and not play around here. And Justin loses money on his prop bet. <laughs> That's exactly right. Chase is minus 200. Devontae Smith's moved up to plus 200. Um, I would go Waddle, but... We got to see how he runs. I think his pro day will matter a lot. And uh, I mean, I do think Chase is the favorite to to go first, for, to be the pick here for Miami. I'm going to lean Waddle here just because you have Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. You already kind of have size on the outside. Yes. And, you know, just watching them last year, that offense severely lacks speed. So you get the fastest player in the draft basically at that point. And Devontae Smith's already talked smack about Tua by saying that what Mac Jones throws the better ball, yep. Justin. So you are you are the tiebreaker, Justin. We have two votes for Waddle, one for Chase. Where are you going? <sighs> Setting the tone. It's a bit of a cop out because I had Jamar Chase as my number one wide receiver in our rankings. Uh-huh. But I, I like Jake's reasoning there, and I'm yes. going to go Waddle because I think they need to add the speed. I think he completes that core. And I think at his, you know, at his highest, his ceiling is you know, that of any of these talented wide receivers, if not more. I just think he's game-breaking type athleticism. Jalen Waddle go. goes number three despite the injury. You can call me a homer. I don't care. I was the tiebreaker. I get to go where I want to go with it. <laughs> and we all make money. Love it. And we all make money. That's the best. Exactly, exactly. Okay, Falcons at four. Oh, the Falcons are weird because part of me really feels like they're just going to run it back with Matt Ryan. They just restructured him, so he's got a significantly lower cap hit this year now. That's nice. They have so many holes, though. That said, I don't. I don't know. I mean, they're drafting top five. What was it? Peter King, who said he expects four quarterbacks in the top six picks. And honestly, I think if they're not going to take a quarterback, they should probably trade down. And, and that was probably true with the right. Dolphins as well. Right. So and that very well could happen with either one of those spots, three, four, oh, both yeah. prime candidates for trade downs. To me, the debate's more just Lance or Fields. And for a team that does have a veteran quarterback in place that is kind of taking, you know, might want to take the rebuild route while trying to win now route and figuring everything out with a new head coach, Trey Lance doing Arthur Smith type stuff at his pro day. I'm going Trey Lance on this. one. Jake. Oh man. I'm going to say Justin Fields. Just because of the hometown connection, I think that that's something that the franchise could really get behind, you know, marketing-wise and everything. I don't know. I guess kind of a cop-out, but I'm going to go Fields. I'm going Trey Lance because I, I Dre sold me over on the 
it makes sense if you're Trey Lance, you don't want to play, you don't necessarily want to have to throw him into the fire. You get two or three more years out of Matty Ice and you move on, make yep. the transition smooth. It makes a lot of sense. But I do I do like the idea of Fields going back to Atlanta, oh, potentially having it. success, especially after le- leaving Georgia. You know, as an Alabama guy, that I love that a little bit more. Just ah, you could have had him. Ah, bummer. <laughs> uh, I'm the last one. Yes. I was really hoping I could say Fields and not make it a tie, but oh. give me like three seconds to just double check that this is the smart thing to do. So my the thought process is sure, like Trey Lance does need time to develop, and it would make sense on his side to go with the Falcons, but the Falcons are looking at this saying either one of these guys is going to sit on the bench. Who's going to be better coming off the bench next year. Is it Trey Lance? Is it Justin Fields? That's the only question they're asking. And I still think that Justin Fields is just a better prospect um, than Trey Lance. And that's why I'm going to give him the edge because I think that just slightly, I think the odds are better that the Falcons will take that side. I gotta say Henry just sold me. All right. Basically, let's go. It comes down to which Arthur is making the decision, owner True. Arthur Blank mm. or new head coach Arthur Smith. Well, Arthur Smith might be leading Trey Lance. Arthur Blank's been with the Falcons and seen what a guy like Michael Vick did for this True. franchise. And that might have him leaning fields. Okay. Five for the Bengals. This is easy, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I mean, that's why I almost have to double check that there's no like move I'm forgetting. Yeah, this is easy peasy. I mean, they they could go defense, but I think and sure a case could if be if you made. don't protect your freaking quarterback after what you just watched last year, sell the team. Well, the some Bengals fans had already debated that it's that point already. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, but- for years. Before we make the pick, though, is there a path for Penny Sewell to fall to the Broncos? So, so I think that path five. right here would be obviously Jamar Chase, maybe Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, yeah, Kyle, Kyle Pitts, Pitts, and mm-hmm. then the Eagles could absolutely take a receiver, or just a quarterback, or quarterback. Yep, yeah. the Lions could absolutely take a receiver. Mm-hmm. It probably takes ah. and then the Panthers. If there's a quarterback left, then that would obviously be very enticing. Okay, but so mm. Panthers. Yeah, so Panthers get us out of it if they take Mac Jones or if they trade for Deshaun Watson, mm. and then the Texans are in that spot and they they have Tunsil, so they can't draft. <laughs> They're such yeah. idiots. They can't draft Penny Sewell, and that's how they would draft. So, yeah, there you go. I mean, you just described a path. path. That I is, also think, like, don't I will underestimate Edge here. Yeah. I will True. also say, though, that as of today, that is what I want. I want Penny Sewell to fall, and I am living and dying by that. Oh, that's cool. Likely dying. Yeah. <laughs> that's neat. Uh, yeah, likely dying. Likely, <laughs> likely dying. Um, Eagles at six. Henry just spoiled the whole mock, so uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. A quarterback or a wide receiver? Is that what we're doing? Honestly, this is where Kyle Pitts really starts to come into the conversation. And I know Gusecki's there in Miami, but honestly, maybe that should have been our pick there. Mm -hmm. Frankly, I regret it. Pitts goes three. People are going to 
that that'll be quite the storyline. Analytics Twitter would lose their shit. But man, that will happen regardless. That's of true. That's true. Gasecki, <laughs> Pitts, Preston Williams, Devontae Parker. Like you, you don't have four dudes in your secondary who can match up with those four guys. You just don't. So, True. like, Tua, wake up! Time to high point those passes nicely. Like, <laughs> time to turn safe, into Mac Jones. <laughs> like, safe throws where only your guys can go get them, and let's roll. Are we um, sure Philly has a guy to get a receiver and/or Kyle Pitts the football? And and I say that, you know, with a lot of pain in my heart as an avid Jalen Hurts supporter, but. I don't know if we know he's that guy. We definitely don't know if he's that guy. And it's going to come down whether the Eagles are willing to take the gamble or not. Here's I, the thing. I don't know. Go ahead, finish, Henry. I think that they roll with Jalen, but I'm 51-49 in favor of that. So just watching them through free agency, I mean, we knew coming into the new league year that they were basically facing cap hell. They literally haven't signed anyone yet. Yeah. So even if Hertz is not what we think they are, they're probably going to finish, you know, bottom of the division and at the very least probably top 10 either way. So do you really want to take a quarterback when you're risking potentially another, you know, bad season? I mean, you could load up on talent here. I mean, Pitts is there. They're talking about trading Ertz. You got all the I, corners. I'd go Pitts, and I think the Ertz thing is happening. So the fact that it hasn't happened yet is the only thing that gives me pause here. Because again, for me, Pitts would be a slam dunk. And as I've said a couple times on this show, I would take him above all the wide receivers. I agree. And just looking at this now, so the Eagles have an extra third round pick. They don't have their fourth, but they have an extra fifth, two extra sixth, an extra seventh. They're going to get another pick in the Earth's trade, like second, third, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I think that... If you get a tight end with a later pick, you're disappointed. If you get a receiver with a later pick, you can find guys you like. So I go to Pitts here using that logic. Uh, that's a majority, yeah. yeah Justin, you should still make your case. but uh, I'd go Jamar Chase here just, so just because I think, like I said, he's my number one wide receiver. I know that we love Pitts. I just think people tend to, to not go tight end quite as high. That's we'll true. see. I mean, this he's as we said, he could be Hall of Fame once in a generation. It just depends on where the GM is is sitting. My vote doesn't matter. We're already locking it in with Pitts, but I would go Jamar Chase. I mean, but that Jamar Chase pick, I think, remains incredibly valid at this next pick at seven for the Lions because that's the team that this offseason, I think really since we last recorded this, that's the biggest change that's occurred in the teams in front of the Broncos is the Lions have lost wide receivers left and right. Um, Both Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Galladay, who was drafted with the second round pick not too long ago. Um, And so they really do need to load back up for Jared Goff. Uh, So yeah, I think Chase would be a great way to start that off. Yep. And I know I'm confident that they're looking to Goff like going forward, like they're going to roll with him and see what happens. Is there any question about them potentially taking a quarterback here though? I think it'd be a discussion. I just don't think it'd be that serious of a discussion. 
I agree. I think that you just roll with it for one year and see what you have. Yeah. Potential trade down candidate too, if they don't want a quarterback, mm-hmm. especially if somebody like I don't let me pull up the yeah, I mean order here. I don't know, like Dallas probably isn't happening given that they just signed Dak, but I don't San Francisco could tra- San you know, Francisco try and trade up for twelve in sure. Minnesota maybe from fourteen, New England at fifteen. There are a lot of teams mm-hmm. that could try and jump up there. I mean, the two main teams that are gonna try to jump up though are the two main candidates for Deshaun Watson. I think it's Carolina and Denver. And I think, you know, uh, it's good that we're starting to talk about this because we're getting to the Panthers pick. Both the Eagles pick at six, where Howie Roseman's always down to make a trade, or that Lions pick at seven, I think are prime candidates for trade downs because I think the Panthers and Broncos, with to a lesser extent the Niners, and uh patriots but you know eight nine what is it 12 15 all right there will all be jostling to get in front of each other to get trey lance and in this scenario unfortunately he drops into the panthers lap yeah yeah is it even a question then if if lance is there at eight and carolina is I don't think it is. I don't think it is with Matt Rule's background. I think with how analytically inclined they are, I think that front office is ready to embrace this and go, you know, all in on a quarterback like this. I think they're game. I think so too. The only thing I would suggest is just from the senior bowl that Mac Jones Panthers connection would be something that's still worth noting. And I agree. I think that that is the conversation. Is it Trey Lance or Mac Jones? Now that I do keep coming back to, I really believe maybe of all the teams, they might be just fine with Mac Jones being, or with Trey Lance being drafted ahead of them and just taking Mac Jones. Absolutely. It feels, I don't think these top eight picks happen without at least one trade. I'll say that right now. And I think with the the upwards of likely two. I agree. Next time we do this, we we should make some trades. Okay. Fair enough. We will. Do we have a Mac, a Mac majority on this eighth pick or is it Trey Lance? I'm still thinking about my vote. Or is it? I'm going Mac. I'm going Mac. I'm going to say Trey Lance. Yeah. It's Lance. I, 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 I love Mac, but it's Lance. Realist Justin is correct. It's Lance. I hate it, but it's true. Also, other caveat, for all we know, this pick could be the Texans by this time. And I think they'd be very happy to have Trey Lance drop in their lap and have Tyrod Taylor to kind of, you know, groom him in front of. Okay, the Broncos at nine are here. Ugh, nightmare scenario. I mean, but, but like, what are you, I mean, you're hoping for a quarterback to fall, I guess, but this is kind of the problem to me though, is if the Broncos don't want a quarterback. And I think that there is a very real chance that that's true. Then what are you looking for? Like for Sewell to fall for pits to fall? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But outside that, like I'm, I'm seriously not liking the group that the Broncos are going to have at nine. Well, there's a quarterback. I think there's a tier drop off, and I think the only one left in that top tier is Devontae Smith. Can you go True. Bama wide receivers back to back years after you went wide receivers back to back picks after you spent the second rounder on Cortland Sutton, the first rounder on another tight end? Oh, boys. 
I mean, just like I said earlier, though, I mean, Cortland Sutton is coming up on a contract year, and if you don't yeah. want to re-sign him, I guess that's the reasoning why you would take Devontae. It just – it'd be hard to sell, I think, to the coaches, I think to the fans, taking receiver that high back-to-back years. That's all. It's a little bit easier yeah. to sell when it's a receiver that arguably just had the greatest season the by any Heisman. wide receiver yeah. <laughs> ever. I mean, that definitely helps, but I agree with everything you guys just said. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I guess I'll get us rolling and I'm going to add the caveat that, you know, we talked before this and, you know, we all agreed we're not going to do Farley at nine because that's <laughs> every mock that you're going to read between yeah. here and, and the draft is the Broncos taking Farley. Yes. Based on how this fell, that's probably how it would play out. And that's Could not be. very fun. So yeah. I guess I'm going to shake it up and say Denver. I don't, I wanted to say Darisa, but I, Parsons, not bad. I guess I don't. I, okay, you go Parsons. I, I'm gonna go I Parsons. Parsons. I I will go Quitty Pay. I've come to a conclusion that the only way to aspire to beat the Chiefs is by going all in on the pass rush, um, some versatile mismatch erasers in the secondary. And hope that you win a roll of the dice on a rookie quarterback contract. Um, and since we've done Mac Jones before, I'm going Quiddy Pay. I really like his um, pass rushing potential. I, I think the kid's pretty special. And I think like he was just starting to show it. And had Michigan just played a full season, it, he would be an easy choice here. But still, I really like him. And I think Parsons, Gregory Russo, Ojulari would all be incredibly valid picks. And I would approve of Darisaw or JOK, as you guys know. So, yeah, it's not an ideal scenario. But, look, you'll still find some important building blocks here. I'm between two guys. I was between JOK and then Gregory Russo, just because both of them are extremely versatile. Um, you know, you kind of fill a future need with both of those guys, maybe even leaning more so now towards JOK once uh, Kareem Jackson's being let go. So mm -hmm. that's a good point. Yeah, especially with the safety class kind of stinking it up. Maybe yeah, JOK terrible. just gained. I'm changing my vote to JOK. Jake, Jake swung. Wow, me. I yeah. love this. And, oh, and that's yeah. where I was going to. Oh, oh, sorry, Henry. I know. <laughs> no, no, you were right, though. I, I can't blame you for saying having the same thoughts I had. I mean, I, I tried to talk myself into somebody else. I tried to talk myself into Devonta Smith. I tried to talk myself into one of the corners. I just couldn't do it. Like, what I almost did is go with Rashawn Slater and his little dinosaur arms, but <laughs> with the little dinosaur arms, you just have to take somebody who doesn't have those. Right. Like, and so I wound up with JOK and I don't really like it. And to be honest, I would much rather just take like a third round pick and go back to 18 even sure. and because I know that one of these guys who I feel pretty even about is going to be there and you would, should get a lot more than a third round pick, but I'd take it. I was considering Slater as well. I mean, I don't know exactly where you'd play him right off the bat, but just in terms of versatility um, along the offensive line, I mean, you'd really sure up that offensive line if you took Slater, played him at center guard or tackle, really. Look, man, you have some short arms, but all the dinosaurs fear the T-Rex. <laughs> true, true. Gotta trade AJ to a division rival or something. Um, no, he's <laughs> the dinosaur too. They're both di – never mind. Um, I approve – now I feel bad about my quitty pay pick. Um, 
Because it's you know it's not like, a bad pick though. It's not a bad pick. No, it's a good pick, but they resigned Vaughn and the needs have shifted other places. It's true. And I mean I don't yeah. think you're wrong though in your assessment of the blueprint to slowing down Mahomes, even in those yeah. games Denver was competitive but lost, well, right. was getting in his face. It's the only thing we've really seen work consistently. Tampa and the Super Bowl. I mean, if you a good pass rush is always gonna give you a shot. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, rather than go corner, safety probably is the way to go and going with a versatile guy. It's what we were just saying about Pitts in segment two. You know, he can fill multiple roles for you on that defense. Well, let let me throw this out there. Like Henry said with the trade down, because maybe you don't want to invest a top 10 pick in someone like JOK, maybe you trade down to between 15 and 20 and you try and hope that you know, like Richie Grant or like Mooring and you, you know, somebody like that and you invest yeah. in that situation and you're able to add some more draft capital in, in the second or third round. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think running back is going to be a huge need going into this draft. I, I we'll see what happens with Richie Phil. They Grant match and the Najee Harris. I, I know. Mean, and, and that's why I'm kind of thinking if, if you, you can't do it at nine but you could do it at 15 or any lower. And I think that that would be a pretty decent use of a pick. And we've these George Payton's coming from having Dalvin cook, one of the best running backs in the NFL. You could see it happen. Yeah. And I mean, Slater, Devonte Smith and Mac Jones are still on the board. There mm-hmm. could be not to mention the cornerbacks who we kind of promised ourselves. We wouldn't pick in this mock that could be coveted as well. The, the Broncos could have a, a trade down partner here um, to make a move and maneuver here and recoup some value and go that direction as well. It's I funny that so. pre-draft a trade down is, is full of excitement and possibility, but in the moment, a trade down is like the most deflating thing that your yes. team can yeah. ever do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You, you get excited about it for months, but then when it happens, it's like, Oh God. Because when you're watching the draft, you're always excited that that one guy you hoped would drop has dropped, and then they trade out on it. Um, I have a question real quick. Yeah. Um, Just because we were talking about Najee, let's assume that the Broncos running back room stays as it is right now. You've got Melvin Gordon, you've got Boone, you've got uh, Royce Freeman, and, you know, Levante Bellamy or whoever. Where do the Broncos need to draft a running back? Is it somewhere between the first and the third round, somewhere between the first and the fifth round? Because I feel like it's pretty urgent, that need. Definitely, especially with Melvin Gordon being a free agent next year. I mean, it's a huge need for this team, not only in the short term, but the long term also. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, But you can find good running backs in the first Mm -hmm. through the seventh. So Mm -hmm. that that would be the counter argument to that is you should be able to find a good running back regardless. We do have one question just to close this out. Ozzy wants the stash. Excellent pod as always with free agency kicking in Would love to hear what you think about the Bron any Broncos signees next pod. And if anyone leaves, whether you thought we should have kept then in a couple weeks, we can really assess the team needs better and get a really educated guess as to who might go where. If we take up Vaughn's option, for example, we did edge isn't going to be a need uh, where even if we take Kareem's option with Justin Simmons on franchise tag, We'd be smart to still pick up a safety. Well, now even more so. So interestingly highlighted those because we know how those went. Um, those don't even need answering. Not easy to get tape on players here in Australia. 
any suggestions on a good and bad game for me to try to get to break down Justin Fields. He was lights out against Clemson and nothing special against Alabama, but that's all the tape I've seen. Very hesitant on a quarterback with slow processing speed rumors. That sounds like sacks to me. One last request. Can everyone give a bit of history on themselves and what teams they root for and how that came about? Fun to get to know you a bit. That's awesome. That was a fun question. Yeah. yeah. Um, on the needs, luckily we got to cover that a lot on the mock, and that's ever-changing. On the signings, just two so far, Darby, Mike Boone. I've got a film out a room that should be out in the morning on Darby, and I'm anxious to get into Mike Boone, the former Cincinnati running back who's a, you know, kind of a vaunted special teamer. But, um, fellas, any thoughts on those signings? And then any suggestions as far as to Justin Field games, good or bad? Bad, I think there are truly like two or three. I'd like um, to answer I'll the go, Justin Fields question. Oh, no, yeah, let Jayco, I was going to say, on, on the field stuff because he's our, our resident Justin <laughs> Fields expert. Um, one, I have a video out on it. I can retweet it on my timeline. Oh, yeah. um, it's actually my pinned tweet just at Jake Schwanitz. Um, to answer the question more thoroughly, though, honestly, the Clemson game, I think, did a great job showing both the pluses and the negatives to Justin yeah. Fields' game. And I would go back to the Wisconsin Big Ten game in 2019. He's on a bad leg, so his mobility is – and that's kind of one of my hot takes is that Justin Fields' processing is sometimes slow because he's thinking too much of like, oh, I could run on this and not just thinking as a passer. Well, with that limited mobility against the number eight team in the country, he really put it on Wisconsin and a talented defense. Um, he was sacked five times. So I think you'll find that telling uh, Ozzy with the stash. Um, and yeah. So, Oh, and a, a little bit about, about us, the, the teams we root for, how that came about thing. Henry, you want to go first? Yeah. yeah. I think. Um, I'm Henry. I'm, uh, I'm from Montana. Um, I went to the University of Montana. Um, and then actually while I was there, I interned with BSN Denver. And now I've been here maybe like close to, I think I'm closing in on four years in May, which is pretty crazy. I've been full time for like two years covering the buffs. Um, I was a Broncos fan and all Denver sports fans because my family's from here. So that's about it not a dissimilar story to me my mom's family's from here i grew up in italy but was born here so my grandpa would send us like newspaper cut-ups of the post he'd send me like vhs recordings i'd ask for like the red river rivalry from that year or mm. you know rams bus and those kind of games and you know i'd be i'd have like five vhs that i'd like just wear out and then I'd have like preseason magazines and off of those I, I I'd build like, so I was like at a young age, I was starved for football and that all I could consume were stats. So it's no surprise that I've become like a film stats guy because I can't get enough film and like stats is how I process the game to start. with. Um, I'll go next. Um, so I was born or not, I was born in Texas, but raised in New Mexico. So that's why I became a Broncos fan just because, they were really the closest team. It was either them or the Cowboys and God, I wasn't going to pick the Cowboys. So 
Um, and then other teams, I mean, I'm probably a Michigan fan, mostly, you know, every other sport I root for the Tigers painfully. Um, the Pistons were fun when I was younger. And then of course, Michigan football, just because that's my dad's favorite team and, you know, got to root for pops team. Wow. So he's a Lions fan. I assume. No. So, okay. This is where I had the freedom to pick the Broncos. Cause I guess, thankfully the Lions suck so bad. No one was actually a Lions fan. So right. growing up, I mean, everyone was watching NFL, but no one had a team for me to like root for. So I was like, <laughs> well, at that time, number 30 and number seven in Denver were a pretty big deal. So I was like, amazing. those are the guys. That's amazing. Not a bad duo to lean in. Yeah. Um, I'm Justin. I grew up going to Broncos games. My family had season tickets. So, you know, the Broncos were kind of how I fell in love with football. I, I got into college football at a real young age, just following really like the old big 12, I would say was my, my first conference that I followed, yeah. you know, really, really heavily um, around my seventh birthday. I guess I would say when I was seven, I got super into CSU because of Bradley Van Pelt. Um, I, I followed the Rams my whole life since along with Alabama who I rooted for because of my dad and because of the NCAA football games, because uh, anybody that pl played those games knew that CSU not so great for about 15 straight years. So you had to pick a winner. Might as well pick the team my dad rooted for again. You know, you gotta, gotta lean with pops when it comes to connections. So I leaned with his alum and uh, the, the SEC school that he cheered for. Yes, sir. That's a beautiful way to end this pod. Um, we'll be back next week. Oh, we More did not talk about news. the free agent oh. signings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Darby. Yeah. Too much money. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. I feel like you could do worse. He's 27. His best football is right now, I guess. So are they better with him than Bouye? That's, I guess, what it comes down to for me. And I don't know that that's the case. That's you don't have to deal with the suspension, though. Yeah. Fair. And the injuries that were going on. I guess Darby's had well, injuries in the past. Injuries too. concerning for both. Um, to me, more than is he an upgrade over Bouye, is he worth it over Kareem Jackson? And I do think this is the first George Payton imprint in on this team is we saw this, like, since Vic Fangio's been here, this is three off seasons now, no position's been added to more so than corner. And what Vic has valued is physicality and positional versatility. You can play up close to the line of scrimmage. You could play in the nickel. Uh, you could even play safety like Kareem Jackson has. You can kind of play all over your jack-of-all-trades. You fit in my zone. That's the guy. This, more so than an endorsement of positional versatility, I think is an endorsement of scheme versatility. Mm. And it's George Payton getting a guy who, yes, fits with Vic's scheme. A guy who, if Vic ever wanted to mix it up, would fit in other schemes, maybe some more suited for the Chiefs. Exactly. Um, and he's also, he is scheme versatile. Uh, it oh, cannot not be mentioned when you mention the Chiefs that a guy that's as big a risk taker as Ronald Darby scares you a lot in that kind of matchup. At the same time, though, he's fast. And that is important if you're going to be a Broncos corner. I do think that, you know, he isn't as much of like his own corner, but when you play the Chiefs, 
I almost think that you're just kind of stuck going man and leaving safeties back there. Then that's kind of your best route. And so changing things around, I, I don't mind it. And so I was happy you brought up the Chiefs. Any chance Kareem tests free agency and comes back on a smaller deal? I think so. Hard to say. I don't know, it's, man. I thought he was. I got to imagine he's going to be able to get decent money out there based yeah. on how he played. Yeah. I thought he was going to get paid about what he should be paid. So, yeah, that's the thing about hometown discounts as they happen when you're a winning team for veterans who are like on a short window and want to win now sadly the broncos can't exactly offer that this season the other 2013 anymore yeah yeah the other thing i'll say about darby though is that this is kind of the type of player that i think you can do well with in free agency and the broncos have you know um, like you think back to, to the Dominique Rogers, Camardi, Akib Talib off season when they offered the contract to DRC and he was like, no, I'm better than that. And they're like, well, we're just not giving out that much money. Gave the same contract to Akib Talib and he outplayed it because it wasn't top dollar for cornerbacks. And because you're getting somebody who isn't in an a list cornerback and paying him top dollar, there's a chance that Darby still has his best football in front of him and will play better than that $10 million. And that to me is the path to success in free agency. So I, I don't mind the signing for that reason. He could have a season where his eyes are dialed in and he's just kind of starts to get it, you know, um, right now he's not always super consistent when he has to turn and run. He's much better when he faces the action. He's quick twitch flies to the ball. Again, I'll have this, all this out in coherent thoughts on paper. And I really like the Boone signing as well. Uh, I think that for the last three years, we've all been bitching and complaining about the special teams. You got to hire set special teamers if you want to fix the special teams. Like it's not about drafting guys and getting lucky that your sixth rounder is able to run down the field and make a tackle. Like it's nice when they can, but getting a couple of guys, you know, again, you think back to David Bruton, for example, who was kept around specifically for that reason. You need good special teams players. The Broncos got one and the third spot for running backs really shouldn't matter in my opinion. So give it to them. Good point. Special teams are pretty severely underrated when it comes to just moves, draft uh, rankings, all that stuff. I watched sure. CSU give up 21 points on special teams in two quarters at one point this season. So yeah, special Nothing teams worse. can make or break you. Nothing worse. That's not good folks. Um, and on that note, we bid you adieu till next week for the draft. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Jay on the